Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Still Giggs goes. He's through. He scored. Ryan Giggs. He's at the goal that's played for Manchester United. To the left. Right footed. It's a clear header. And then to the left. Stockdale has won the European Cup for Manchester United. Hello and welcome to the first strategy cast of the season. We're going to do things a little bit differently this year. Um, I know we did kind of one-on-one into so farming United players and stuff last season. While we'll be continuing to do that, we're going to do more shows with guest panels from people that write for strategy news um, and people from the strategy news community on Facebook. There'll be a link to join that too once this is uploaded. So without further ado, my name is David O'Donnell, your host this evening, and I'm with... Jonathan and Philip, the rife, boat rife for the blog. Um, Philip, how are you? Firstly, how was your summer? Not too bad, Dale. Um, busy, busy, as you can imagine. Like uh, lots of uh, lots of things to get through um, between the World Cup and everything like that. So it was. Uh, it's it'll be just interesting to get back into the league now. It'll be. Uh, hopefully, it won't be an anticlimax. Absolutely. I think I was just looking back there from previous World Cups. I think there was one from the early 2000s that from the World Cup final to the start of the season, there was like a two-month gap. Um, I'm pretty sure from the start of this season, the World Cup was like three weeks since the final was played. So, do you know, yeah. the, the 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 period we have now football hasn't been too long, but I did really enjoy that World Cup. In my lifetime, it, it was the best one for me. Um Definitely. I suppose then, Jonathan, how, how was your summer? How did you enjoy the World Cup and, and um, what did you make of England's um, efforts? It, it, it's, it's been a bit of a mixed summer because from the England side, if I ignore the fact that they just basically only played well against part-timers, then, yeah, quite a spectacular World Cup. Just the fact that they got schooled every time they actually came up against someone that knows how to play the game. But, yeah. 
quite enjoyable despite that. It's fairly straightforward assessment. We're going to get into yeah. um, the transfers later on in the podcast, and and I suppose we'll touch on some of the one or one or two players that have stand out World Cups out of nowhere and. All of a sudden, we're linked with mega money moves to Manchester United, which, of course, thanks to Ed Woodward, has not happened as of yet. Uh, <laughs> so, without further ado, we go into the pre-season, which I suppose was, was a bit cagey, to say the least. Um, with pre-season tours, it's not about results. It's about players getting as much minutes as possible um, and without getting any injuries, which we suffered a few of them as well. Philip, would you be concerned about the results? Or would you be more concerned about, say, Jose Mourinho's demeanour throughout the, the tour? I wouldn't necessarily be concerned about the results. What I would be concerned about would be the actual performances. They did play well against uh, AC Milan. They played well against Real Madrid. They were lamentable against Bayern Munich and they were schooled off the pitch by Liverpool. Mm. And when you mentioned Liverpool being schooled up the pitch and, and that hurts on places and tour no matter what kind of game it is against one of your rivals it hurts now I, I, I reported that Liverpool's um, pre-season game against Napoli on Saturday and I watched Man City beating against uh, I think they were beating against Bayern Munich I've seen glimpses of it and the, the one thing that stood out to me from, from those two games even though they were pre-season tours games was the youngsters that were played or even any, any of the first team players played they're buying into the manager's philosophy or weight style of play Jose Mourinho on the other hand came out and lambasted his youngsters after one of the games um, and claimed that not all of the players that were selected were his now in my opinion on that when you're Manchester United manager every single one of the players is your players uh, and, and to yeah. me, that was a bollocks excuse. Um, well, that's, an, that's a, an opinion that you keep within the club itself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like John, do, do, do you feel this is another way of Mourinho having a dig at Woodward for not getting the signs in? Or do you generally believe he, he feels that because they're not his players, I shouldn't be too worried about it? Um, I, I was thinking about this today. and For me, it feels like since... Moyes was gotten rid of. What the Glazers seem to have done is they've either like bought really impressive tools and then got a shit tradesman like Van Harlin to use them. They get rid of him and then get a superb tradesman in to actually do the job of trying to make his title contenders again and get him the shittest, cheapest tools available to try and do the job. I mean, not necessarily, because obviously they've spent some money, but anyone takes a glance at that squad, there's so many massive, massive holes in it that means he can never attempt to focus on winning games because there's so many weaknesses in it. He's got to compensate for how easily we'd be torn apart if we actually went at sight. We're only scraping the wins we do because he's playing with enough caution to protect himself from the damage that would be done if we threw the sink at anybody. You see, my biggest concern is is is, is the, the recruitment process of the club. And you look at the board and there's no one there that's a football figure. It's businessmen making oh, no. 
making football decisions and business decisions. Whereas look at Bayern Munich, they football people making the football decisions. Oh, now, yeah. when when you when you're appointing a manager, um, you need to take so many things into account. It's not just like people that goes like football fans. We look at um, the CV and what the manager's won and what he's done, like in a much more simplistic view. But when you're recruiting a manager for a football club, you need to think of philosophy. And yeah. are you going to buy that philosophy? Are you going to back him to buy the players that fit that philosophy? Now, when Mourinho came in, as much as I love Paul Pogba, I think he's a fantastic player. He's not a Mourinho yeah. player. He, he's just no. not. And they, they broke the record fee to, to bring him in. No one, surely no one, that he does not fit that mould of player. He's not, a, you know, he, he's not your typical Mourinho midfielder. And moreover, no. when, when, when Mourinho has been with Chelsea, uh, Real Madrid and into Milan, part of his belief is that he should always have t- two strong centre-halves and two yeah. other backups that are good, good enough to come in and do a job. Now, at the yeah. moment, he's got, I think he's got five centre-halves. He signs one more, that's six. You know, that's too many to keep happy. And and yeah. some, some of those players, he's previously told that you haven't got a future man, you know, and he wants Woodward to go out and, and to find buyers, which hasn't been yeah. done. So, like, how... who would who was actually willing to come in to buy some of the current centre-halves or full-backs at United, knowing their wages, knowing that... The, the wages is a massive issue, Philip, and it's a good point. Yeah. I think the other point is is the transfer fee. The Manchester United are always set on always making profit. Now, you need to balance things out. Sometimes when City want yeah. rid of a player, they pay and you pay the player off to get rid of him. It has to be done sometimes. Yeah. Like, I, th- I think there, what you're alluding to, Philip, is some of the players we have there are centre-half and full-back are piss poor and it's going to be hard to get profit on them. Right or wrong. I, I, I think at the moment uh, they're actually expecting to get... At least uh, 16 to 18 million from Matthew Darmian. No, more realistic. Yeah, look. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect him to go for that much on football manager when it's not even real fucking money. He's just. Yeah. He, he's so shambolic and just. He's just a player that. It's a very strange one because when he first came to Manchester United, I thought he was. On the verge of being one of the best fullbacks in England, and the first few months oh, yeah. he was absolutely fantastic. Then he played Van Gaal played him against Arsenal. Arsenal Alexis Sanchez ripped him a new one. He was dropped yeah. for a month, and he never, ever, ever became the same player. Now he did have a brief spell, I think, around the time we won the Europa League, where he, he looked okay. Uh, he he was doing some sort of a job, but yeah. Look, we're, we're talking about the preseason here and negativity and Mourinho's demeanour and stuff. But he's the, the, a full-back that won't go past the halfway line. Is he allowed to? Do you think he's allowed to? Because this is something that, like, I, I'm thinking Mourinho has, has played Valencia and Young in full-back positions in the past year or so. And I believe he wants his full-backs to, to bomb forward and to... To give the likes of Kaku more more service, but if you have yeah. a player like Darmian, who, when he's defending, sometimes he looks like he's after smoking about three joints. Um, yeah. he looks utterly asleep. So can you trust him to bomb forward? Because then he has to get further back, 
Um, and he's incapable of doing that when he's sat in the halfway yeah. line. You know, so with Mourinho, what, what I've learned since he's become Man United manager is he has to ultimately trust his players. And uh, I think it's clear there's just so many of his players that he just doesn't have yeah. that trust in. Yeah. And, and like you, you, you've hit on perfectly, he has a way of playing and that way of playing achieves success wherever he's been. But he doesn't have the players to do that. And I keep having flashbacks over the summer to the cup final and the amount of times where Pogba broke up possession, 20-yard run, nice little pass down the side for Young and Valencia in behind their back line. Now, I grew up watching fullbacks like Irwin and Neville who put in that position. They are putting that ball right in an area where the United players attack it, we score, we win. It's glorious. Mm. Time after time, it's just going out for a throw in the other side because they're just oh, oh. incapable the of doing it. Yeah. Look, um, it, 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 is, it is poor, but just just before we, we, we jump past the pre-season talk, I, go, I want to have some sort of, of positivity because for me, there was two standout performers. Um, one of those was Andres Pereira, who just recently joined up yeah. his, his loan spell at, at um, Valencia. And the other one who had a, a visa issue at the very beginning, but I think came, came, came on tour and, and looked as hungry as ever. Back to the player we, 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 can, we can think of from Arsenal during his better days there. Um, yeah. Alexis Sanchez was absolutely fucking terrific in America. Um Dude incredible shouts there because they were too for anything else that were uninspiring those two were just incredible yeah throughout and and, and Philip Pereira was asked to do a job that he's never been asked to imagine before because previously he's played across the attacking positions midfield yeah he was a deep line midf- mid- midfielder um, monitoring the tempo of games and yeah. he, just, he just looked comfortable do, do you think Philip he well, I think he actually played there for uh, for most of his spell at Valencia in a deep yeah, line. Valencia. It's obviously a position that he's become more accustomed to. Uh, obviously, we re- we remember when he first came into the, into the team uh, playing the league cup. He was more of an attacking midfielder, but it seems that the lad has got it in his uh, arsenal to actually do that as well. Jonathan, do you think he'll get much game time this season? Um, I'm hoping he does. I really, really am hoping he does. Because having seen what he could do to have that composure on the ball, that close control, the ability that when you've got a player in that position who can do, call it that Carrick-style thing, where they can break the play up, they can spot the 10-yard pass that just releases a bit of pressure. They can also spot that 30, 40 yard pinger that puts someone away in a much better position. So when you're someone who's got all those key skills that can sort of not only protect the back four, but set you the other direction quickly and effectively, then that's the kind of player you need. Yeah, well, there you go, exactly. Like, the more players in this squad that can prevent... Marlon Flaney from getting a single <laughs> fucking second on the pitch. I'm supporting because oh yeah, that loose. I don't need to run the microphones. What I want to call him because I don't want to use too much bad language. He yeah. should have been fucked out of that club this summer. 
and oh, uh, yeah. we we were made look embarrassing like the way we begged yeah. begged begged and waited and waited and waited for him to make this decision was dragged on through the world cup he was happy to do that um he was just shambolic Manchester United, the biggest football clubs in the world almost bent over backwards for marrow oh, and yeah. fucking fellaini yeah, yeah the day that he signed, I just thought, how how has it actually come to this? That first and foremost, that we hadn't sold him while he was at the club. But when the time came to at least say, do you know what? This was a bit of a mistake. We're not going to get any money for him, but at least with him gone, we can move on. Mm. No. We push every boat in the world out to make Imagine the amount of money where paying him in terms of the wages that could actually go to a far better signing. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, I'm thinking of it this way too. Marvin Fellaini, he came in with David Moyes at the Ferguson left. When, when things kind of really started to dwindle against United, he, he very much epitomises the mess of the club. And then this saga yeah. this summer, um, to, to bend over backwards for him, for, for for, for that that thing that yoke whatever you want to call him, it's a fucking joke. I and I can't get my head around it. I know at times he's beneficial depending on the opposition and depending on do you know what kind of impact he can have on the game because he's he's just a yeah. nuisance for opposition. But really, surely there, there's other there's other players out there that have more football brain that have more exactly. Mobility. I think for me, it's one of these things that he's got no in between. He's either a match winner or a liability. And he's not a match winner often enough to justify any kind of contract. Because you can look at the Europa season and the amount of times that he came up with that vital header that got us to a final we won. But then you compare that to his one significant Champions League appearance and how his ineffectiveness in it just basically slowed down everything that anyone even attempted to do. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not his fault he got picked to start after being out so long, but the fact is when given a start and a job to do that would help us get through that round, the man was incapable. Just utterly, utterly ridiculous. The most annoying thing too, and I'm sure it's you too, you agree, is, is during this saga where we're waiting for Fellaini to make his ultimatum, his, his big decision, his ego... Is is, oh, yeah. is bigger than him, oh. and I think that's what makes him out to be such an unbearable shitbag. Oh yeah, I mean, how is that gonna endear him to the fans? No, he he doesn't care because I I, I, I remember he was particularly loved at the moment anyway. Yeah. So this uh, debacle is going to further uh, increase their ire, isn't it? Like. I remember reading a piece before he became a Manchester United player while he was at Everton that he had to move from where he was currently living because he couldn't cope with the, being pestered by the women in the area. It's fucking ego. It, it's almost something from a, a comedy sketch or something like that. that oh, yeah. This absolute useless buffoon has yeah. as, as big of an ego almost as Cristiano Ronaldo, who is the best, you know. It, yeah. It, it's laughable. But look, we, we also have the, the new season to preview. And again, it, it's um, we're almost all sounding a bit like we're taking a page from Mourinho's yeah. books, being a, being a bit negative 
So it's just... not, it, it, it reminds me of um, Rick Mayles' character in Bottom. He's a complete and absolute <laughs> arsehole that serves no purpose whatsoever. But he's got this opinion of himself that the world is blessed for his presence on it. And it's just like, no, you very strange dickhead. Just leave quietly through the exit and don't come back. Do you it's think if we request an interview with Marin Flaney after listening to this, we get any chance to get one? <laughs> um, I'd hope so, just so that he'd tell me I'm a dickhead and then I'm <laughs> Just tell him that it would uh, help uh, help increase the brand Fellaini, like so. <laughs> we give away a free Fellaini hat for every listen. Yeah. <laughs> right, so for the new so. season, so we're going to hit the nail on the head from the very start. Philip, what are your expectations for Manchester United this season? Um, do you know what? One would expect that Leicester is there for the taking considering that they've lost Mares, We still don't know what the situation is regarding Maguire. They, um, they ended the season in fairly poor form. There's a lot of pressure on Claude Poole, so you would... In a normal world, you would expect that Leicester would be uh, ready for a tonking, but this is our current situation at Manchester United. We... We could well go out and pace them, or we could draw nil all with them. Jonathan? Um, I think it genuinely is one of those games where we scored in the first half hour, and maybe not the same entertainment level, but the same kind of score as that Fulham 5-1 when Rooney and Ronaldo destroyed it. We don't score in the first half hour, and nil-nil is written through that like it's a stick of Blackpool rock. Because the longer they hold out, the more resilient they'll get, the more nervous we'll get. And then, you know, 75 minutes, our good friend Marouane comes off the bench and players who can't cross hit long balls to a guy that can't really head it for his height. And we all cry a bit. It's interesting, too, we mentioned Harry Maguire, who who we've been linked with uh, throughout the summer, well, since the... Since the World Cup and since his heroics against Panama and Tunisia um, he, he, he could be partnered on Friday night with Johnny Evans who Leicester signed for 4 million now an interesting question for you because from the players that were sold when Johnny Evans left I don't think he was the worst defender at the club um, no. and there's, there's currently two there still there um, who, who I think are worse would, would, you, would you take Johnny Evans back Rather than having I, Phil Jones or Chris Smalling, I wouldn't personally. Um, there is a reason that West Brom got relegated. Oh, you, you really? You, you think yeah. that, that was down to, partly down to, to Evans? Yeah, well, it was partly down to the, their defending throughout the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no, it's an interesting point, but you see, like, part of it, like so. Um, I think he reached a natural end of his career at Old Trafford. Uh, I don't think he was ever likely to be uh, progress on from the player that had come through initially. So there was a reason that he ended up uh, down at West Brom. And there is there is something that I've alluded to in the past, and it includes Evan Small and Ann Jones. Um, is that when Rio and Vidic were at the club, and and this this breed of 
of young defenders yeah. coming through and Ferguson now spoke that these were the future Manchester United and, and it always looked that way but I feel when those players left we never quite got in that experienced defender to help them continue to develop no. you know? so I'm talking Long Blanc because um, yeah. I know all the lads that played with Blanc at that time said although maybe in his first team appearances he didn't set the world alight. What they learned from him day to day in training about the art of defending made yeah. every one of them significantly better. Like I look at Phil Jones, uh, I'm I'm looking at Eric Bailey in the same light at the moment. Although he's better, there's something the two of them lack, and it's a serious um, level of maturity in terms of yeah. they, they jump into these rash tackles the whole time, um, yeah. and they're really putting their bodies in the line leading to injuries. Whereas if an experienced defender was sat beside them every now and then, he could have a word and say, look, yeah. you don't need to jump in like that the whole time. Um, yeah. The best defenders don't jump in. They don't need to. Well, this is it, because just briefly going back to Johnny Evans, if you look at the times where he actually looked like the defender he had the potential to be as a kid, beside Vidic, it, wasn't when it? he had... Sorry? He was beside Vidic. He went on a run, didn't he? Exactly. There was that period where when he was alongside someone who could just keep his mind focused, he looked a cracking defender. But as soon as he was supposed to be a leader in that back line, he just looked out of his depth in everything he did. I go back I go back to uh, players that might not have uh, particularly supported, might not have particularly shone but uh, guys like Johnny, uh, Ronnie Johnson, and uh, yeah. guys like that, they yeah. were they weren't kind of gung ho defenders. They weren't uh, sticking their foot in left, right, and centre and covering themselves. They had a and, uh, composure, yeah, to make the team a better side. No, they did. They, like you say, they weren't the, the headline act, but they knew how to do the support role that just gets everything looking over nicely. So, are, are there any other um, talking points from the, the Leicester team? Um, I suppose they, they've, they've lost Mares. Do you think that he'll be a significant loss, Johnny? Jonathan? Um, yeah, because, I mean, you look at, say, the, um, the draw at their place last season and the way that for them to go one up he just tore us apart doing what City have bought him to do you give him the ball he can run with it at incredible speed he can take on anyone do what he does he's got the vision to pick a pass the ability to finish he was a massive massive cog in anything that was successful for Leicester and for him to no longer be that option yeah you can see how they're going to struggle to adapt to play in a way that's not built around him. You see, I, I think too, after that round from season in 2016 when they won the league, um, yeah. Mares wanted to lead the club. And I, I was told last summer that Arsenal were very close and he wanted to go there. Um, yeah. He stayed then and... I don't think since that season he replicated those performances. Although I, all, I no. always still thought that Leicester kind of, they still kind of wanted to rely on him, but it, it wasn't happening. They had an unhappy yeah. player, um, and funnily enough too, I also think that City didn't need to make that purchase. They did it because they could. No. Um, oh, exactly. 
Do you know, Good so it, it's a funny one. Vardy is still there. He's going to be a threat, although I don't think Leicester anyway near as direct as they were under um, previous managers. This manager has different different way to work. Yeah. Um, just before we move on to other um, kind of previews for the, for the season overall, um, who do you think is going to start on Friday evening, Philip? Um, there's talks that Matthew Darman could start, even though uh, he's linked with a to move um, out of the club because of the Italian transfer window um, being, I think, a week or two weeks after the English one. That just fills me with dread. Um, uh, you can probably expect most of the, the back four to be whatever we have fit in terms of whether whether they'll start with Bailly and Lindelof. Um, I um, they did look quite solid against Bayern. Um, probably, probably Ashley Young at left back. I'd imagine. I'd love to see. That's, do you not think but, Shaw will, will will play after all the preseason games? And given that Young, I don't think he's returned yet, has he? Has he not? He'll have only been in the last few days if he has done. Okay, maybe he's not match fit then. So in that case, so you would probably expect Shaw to to get the nod, um, as to whether he can actually take his chance when it's actually given to him is another story. Um, I'd imagine I'd love to see Andreas Pereira start, given his uh, form in the preseason game. Just to say, like, listen, lad, uh, you've you've actually done really well. This is your this is your chance. Now come on, take it. Yeah, and I suppose then that leaves you with three. Well, you mainly mentioned Pereira. Fred is likely to start because it's such a the the absentees. But I think what's going to interest a lot of people is the how we line up um, with three attacking players. Do we expect um, Rashford to take the centre role? Sanchez would obviously start. Um, Jonathan, do you, do you think there'll be any place for Le Sulk and Anthony Martial? Um, I, 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 I can't even say words that you can broadcast. To be honest, um, I, I, I can't. Wait, see wait, when you say start. that, do you think that iTunes and, and YouTube are going to shut us down like Infowars? <laughs> just, oh, it's one of these things that just the, the mention of his names triggers anger levels that I don't even know what I've got. It just. So much talent, so much ability, and the only thing that's bigger than it is the fact that he can't be asked to use any of it. It's yeah. just, it's crippling. Despite what Martial FC might uh, imagine. See, that, that, that's the thing. Like when you mention Anthony Martial on, on on Twitter, and you cast an opinion, be it negative, the the herd of, I'm not going to call it, no. Someone disagreeing with you is fine, and they're having a debate. It, yeah, it, it, I, I, that's my. I, I prefer that than someone agreeing with me because it, it brings yeah. out intelligent debate, and that's why yeah. I have pod, a podcast yeah. here. Yeah, that's why they're straightening with the blog and so on. But there, there is a herd, and I'm going to call them morons. Um, oh yeah, Chris I mean, let, let, let's be fair, gents. I mean, the Martial FC lot—they're on a par with like cyclists and vegans. They just. 
attack anyone <laughs> and anything that doesn't agree with their opinion on it. You, you you can't debate it. You can't discuss it. You can't just chat anything through. As far as they're concerned, if your opinion doesn't fit hand in glove with theirs, they are coming at you like a tsunami of knobhead. It's just endless. It's a cult. It's a cult. It's um, oh yeah. It's on par with Scientology. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> Tom Cruise going to unsubscribe <laughs> to Stratocast. <laughs> Yeah, oh, no. oh. But um, so yeah. is one. I'm going to ask you too. On, on the, we have today's Wednesday. Any idea when Lukaku is expected back? Lukaku's back training. Um, yeah. Whether what Mourinho did say during the World Cup and his analysis for RT, some Russian broadcaster that um, the the players that kind of semi-finals and final that, that reached that round won't feature to the Spurs, which is a couple of weeks away. Now, the situation, I think, will have changed because of the transfer activity, the lack of, more of. Exactly. Um, so, he could... He, he can't afford to be picking sides as weak as he had to choose in the pre-season no. stuff. No. I'm falling so far off the pace before the season's even really begun. Yeah, and I, mm. I, I, I also think his demeanour on, on, on the pre-season tour was to kind of Unfortunately, was to, was to lower expectations for fans. Um, oh, yeah. To kind of say, look, I'm dealing with this crock of shit from the Glazers. and which... Exactly, because he's basically, last season, if we're being honest, we were lucky and flattered by finishing second. Because there were other sides that were better than us. We just managed to somehow have less stupid moments where we threw points away, like mm. Spurs and Liverpool did. Spurs haven't strengthened, but they were already ahead of us in terms of some of the players and resources they've got there. Anyway, Liverpool were chronic in many areas, and annoyingly, they've spent the summer fixing all those areas. So Mourinho now knows he's got a city side that he was miles behind already. Other sides only getting closer and he's not got many of the targets in that he wanted to try and challenge. Unfortunately, with Liverpool spending the GDP of a small African country, it kind of uh, puts United in a, a bad light. Uh, do we put that to Woodward or do we put that down to Mourinho? Or is United a proposition that players want to actually come to at the moment? It's, it, 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 it's, it's not it's, this isn't something that you can kind of sum up with a simple answer because there are footballers that United have approached um, this summer that have turned United down because they don't want to play on the Mourinho there has been that issue that that's definitely happened um, but that's not to say every player is thinking that I think the vast majority of players would love to play under successful manager Jose Mourinho yeah um, the main issue is Woodward hasn't done his work. Um, nope. in, information that's been feeded through to other Australian news that Mourinho has been very, very unhappy with Woodward's um being being hashtag too busy to speak. Uh, for instance, the the picture that came up online when they met in the tunnel after one of the preseason games on August the first. That was the first time and the only time since 
that Woodward and Mourinho have met this summer. Now, let's take into account too that they've been in the same country all summer. They've been exactly. in the same cities. So why? And you compare that? this to say the working relationship that Gill and Fergie had. Yeah. Not a chance on this earth that that would have ever happened under them. No, absolutely. And my, my whole point is. If you're not going to back Mourinho now, when he really needs it, because you have to finish him 19 points point City, the aim should have been to really narrow that or really push City by signing the, the right players. Now, if you're not going to back him now, I don't want Mourinho sacked right now. I, I, as I said in the past, no. I will give him to Christmas to get things right. Yeah. But if you're not going to back him now in this market, for Woodward and Glaze, what is the point? Sack him now. But what is the point? Exactly. Because you ha- you have you have a man here that wants to win things. You clearly have a board that won't back him. And, and furthermore, I feel sorry for the next manager. And I also think this is going to really damage Manchester United's reputation because other managers will that. see that they're not being backed. And just one more note on that because I'm on a bit of a rant. People are suggesting that Guardiola is a better manager than, than Mourinho. Fair enough. Right now, I, I'll agree with that. But... I think if you put Guardiola as Manchester United manager and Mourinho got it, he would be suffering with the same issues because, as we previously oh, mentioned, Manchester United will not sell a player without making a profit. So Guardiola would be still dealing with this dead wood that Mourinho's dealing with. He wouldn't exactly. get all the players that he wants. Um, nope. The club is more... The board is more of an issue than Jose and Mourinho. And... Mourinho Absolutely. has his flaws, but people need to see that. People need to the Glazers, Woodward, are the issue. Could you see uh, Woodward signing um, signing a full-back for 50 or 60 million? Like, to, to be honest, I mean, Not I, it, it, it was before the season ended, I, I was noted that Alexandro was the priority. The priority yeah. signing, they wanted to get him in for left-back. Um I don't believe that Mourinho turned around and said, no, change that. I think he's, he's given his list of targets. Woodward simply has not delivered. And the fact that he could not even meet the manager while he was spent the whole summer in the, in the same city, it, it tells you he, that there's something seriously wrong there. Um, and until, I mean, at, until, at the end of the day, it's like Woodward has done the deals the Glazers want him to do. We have now got, what, another 4,812 official partners. Have we got a tampon um, sponsor yet? Because it's only a fucking matter of time, oh, we I must have. We, we must have. I'm sure we must have a partner for every level of flow that a lady can go through by now. Because <laughs> there is no official partner stone unturned by that strange little man. It's just... <laughs> Uh, yeah, See, that, that that is the issue, um, big time. And you're, you're looking what? at the likes of Liverpool are really, really back in clock. They really are. And it, what I, what I want from Manchester, more more interesting getting. I don't care if we don't win a trophy this season, but I want to see progress, and I want to see the club. Yeah. I want to see the board sit down and say, "This is our vision for the next three to four years." We want to be yeah. getting titles by then. We want to sign, we want to set up a system and we want to stick by this and stick by the manager. If they did that, fans would be more likely to, to buy into a manager's philosophy and ways. But it's not like that, United. It's basically um, hit and hope. And hopefully we, we'll get it this year. If we don't, we'll go there next year. And if not, we'll sack the manager and try again. There's no actual plan. And if, 
that is a massive issue. Every big club has planned. Bayern Munich has planned. And moreover, I think whether a manager's job is safe or not, a club should always have a list of five or six managers that they envision to, to take over from that manager in the future. Yeah. Um, that's not to say his job in a threat. It's to be ready, prepared, and to, 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 to oh, know. Exactly. And United haven't got that. We, we're basically... Woodward and the Glazers are pissing in the wind, get top four, happy, money's there, and they collect their dividends. But someone said to me on Twitter this week, why don't we stop another protest? And I was thinking about it, and probably because the last one didn't work and so on. Another part of the thing, that social media is so prominent nowadays with big accounts. If all these big United brands and so on came together and really pushed and tried to get United fans or celebrities and stuff involved in this big run... You never know what could happen, but if Arsenal, which is important this week, can go for two billion, it's a two billion thing. How much can Manchester United go for? You know, it, 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 it well, the Glazers aren't going to move for selling. Um, I know, Philip, you you need to run shortly, so we'll try and get through a few more bits before that's the case. Right. Um, Philip, I want your top four prediction for this season. In order. In order. Uh, the, way, the, the way we're all feeling is pretty much a dreaded question. Much it? pains me. Um, it's Manchester City and a fight between three or four clubs for a second, third, and fourth. Um, one would one would hope that United do manage to get a bit of business done in this. Remaining hours at this stage now, and um, get players back, uh, fit and competent from the World Cup, and actually start building up a degree of identity with each other and uh, putting clubs to the sword. And but that's the uh, Spurs haven't, as you said, haven't really bought. Arsenal have actually bought extremely well. Um, Liverpool have bought incredibly well in terms of spending, whether whether they actually um, can improve the side. I don't I still don't rate their midfield and their defence is very Well I mean no midfield can be counted as strong when it's got Jordan Henderson in it, can it? Captain Fantastic like. Right. Yeah. So, so Philip your second turn of four, definite selection so we can go back on this back in May. Uh, I would say, well, hoping on beyond hope that we get closer to Manchester City. Um, that there is not much of a gap between us and the end, creating a bit of hope, I suppose, for next year. Um, Liverpool third, Spurs fourth. Jonathan, your top four? Um, City, Liverpool, United, Spurs. I'm going to go the same as... Um, Jonathan with maybe Arsenal pushing for fourth on the Emirates. Yeah. I'm kind of intrigued to see what how how Chelsea and Arsenal get out with new managers, but um, I I do think City will win the title again because yeah they, they don't have to replicate what they did last season. Last season they were pretty much a superpower at a hundred percent. I oh, think, yeah. I think even if they play at ninety eight five percent, they're still much better than the rest and. Dashing mm-hmm. team crossed the line. Second place, a 
think they'd be Liverpool. They've strengthened. We haven't strengthened. Um, yeah. Whatever about their defence, I disagree with Philip on their midfield. I think I watched Naby Keita in Dublin. I thought he was really, really good. Um, Fabinho is versatile, but again, as, as we alluded to, they're playing Jordan Henderson in midfield. That's always an area for concern. I, I, I don't really know what he offers. Um, he's, he's not very good for me. Um, so with that top four done, we have a number of questions from the community on Facebook, Twitter and so on that I've sent in. We're going to start with Paul Rolls, who obviously writes for Strategy News. He has two questions. So he said, Were we wrong to loan... Alexa Tanzebi and possibly Timothy Fozu Mensa without recruiting a centre back. Obviously, we haven't signed one yet. So, quickly, yes. going to go to Philip. You think we're wrong doing yes. that? Philip? Yeah, we completely yeah. uh, agree. Um, there are two full backs and centre halves for the future, or right now when we actually need um, some degree of actual promise in that position uh, to have somebody like uh, Timothy Fosamensa at right back as opposed to Matthew Darmian Jonathan, another, another question from Paul is who should be captain and he has given a question mark over Paul Pogba obviously um, that, that, that kind of ties in with Dave Cleaver's question is what is Pogba's true state of mind, which I'll get to in a second, but um, Jonathan, Valencia's been given captain, who would you have given it to? You see, genuinely, the, the problem is I don't see anyone in that side that looks like a natural wearer of that armband. Mm. So, like, when you've grown up seeing like, Bruce, Robson, Keane, Cantona, many, many great proper leaders wear that. I don't see anyone in that current squad that screams captain. Phillips just says yes, again made yeah. part of the problem we've got. What about uh, Big Dave? Probably the only one, but I think it's always like it's almost the equivalent of like taking your cousin to prom having your keeper as a captain. It's just like some desperate no else available type thing. I think too with handing the hair captaincy, if if it did happen, it kind of gave the incentive to the hair to to stay a lot longer. Um, yeah, and he is our only world class player. And, and to be oh. honest, I, I I think with the, with the way football has gone, um, the role of a captain is much less prominent than it was. Like there, there, yeah. there there's no Roy Keane out there anymore, and. The, no. They, they were captains. They 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 picked people up and drove people on. And yeah, look look at world football. You you might be able to select a, f- a few of those, but there's not really many. No, there. there's not many. Do you know? So, well, I mean, you you hit it perfectly there because everyone that played with him said Keane just at a glance got an extra ten percent out here yeah. just yeah. with eye contact that were all he needed. But there's no one like you say, not just at United, but in the game today, there are so few players that can do that to their teammates. That, like, I was watching clips of him returning from his knee injury, and he was on yeah. the bike, and I was just watching him, and I was thinking, 
in his mind, I can guarantee you, he's thinking, I'm driving myself because I have to get back to that dressing room. Yeah. I have to do yeah. that for my team. Um, yeah. Nowadays, I think it could be to do with the mentality of footballers, young footballers being paid so much. That drive isn't there. They're still paid. Um, yeah. Whereas when the likes of Paul McGrath was playing at, at Villa, and he was struggling with injuries. He was signed by Ron Atkinson on a, a pay-as-you-play contract. And, and Ron Atkinson told us this on the strategy cast um, last season. That incentive wouldn't work nowadays. Is it because no. footballers tend to be greedy? Dale, I'm going to have to split there, OK? Yeah, no worries. Thanks for joining us, Philip. And I'm sure we'll get you on the podcast again. Myself and, and Jonathan will finish up on the questions. Thank you, Brilliant, thanks for joining us. So, so yeah, could have been I, I think there's, there's definitely an element of that. I remember um, Stephen Island when he left City and just said that when he joined their academy, all he dreamt of was progressing through the ranks into the first team. Mm. And he said as he left, the academy kids weren't bothered if they ever kicked a ball in the first team because just the money they have been paid as a kid coming through meant that they never need to worry about finding a proper job yeah. anywhere. So uh, it just kind of shows how it's moved that kids are just so minted so early. Yeah, well, look, it, that brings me to the clear contrast of Cristiano Ronaldo and and um, Anthony Martial, two, two players. Yeah. Ronaldo was young. He was obviously paid a significant amount of money because he joined Manchester United, yeah. one of the biggest clubs in the world. But everyone yeah. that worked with Ronaldo explained how he trained extra after after training. He worked yeah. hard. He ate the right food. He wanted a win, win, win. Anthony Martial, incredible talent. But does oh, he want unbelievable it? talent. Does he want it? You know, because if he wanted it, yeah. I think his attitude would be totally different. Well, this is he, he's got to be sat there looking at, you know, his national side has won the World Cup this summer, and he's nothing to do with it. Mm. And that's nothing to do with talent. As an attacking talent, he could have held his own at any level in that squad. But the fact that because he plays with the attitude he does, you know, like Mourinho often thinks, I don't need that. Deschamps thought, I don't need that. And despite all the talent in his feet, just the chip on his shoulder means he's just getting nowhere with it. Yeah, absolutely. And to to kind of tie in with this question, Dave Cleaver has asked, what is Pogba's true state of mind? And look, to, to kind of hit the nail in the head on this one too is there was a bust up after one of the games last season. Um, Pogba was was involved just before the season ended, obviously, and yeah. uh, his teammates were kind of made clear. And I think Chelsea really kind of got the hint too that his days at Manchester United were numbered. Now, when Pogba joined Manchester United, it was it was it was brief, but quite a few that he wanted to go to um, Real Madrid. They wouldn't yeah. pay the money, but Rayola promised them after a three-year um, investment in Manchester United that we could make this deal happen. That means there's one year left. Yeah. Reports this week are saying that Barcelona have bidded for him. Um, that's yeah. pretty much confirmed, a ridiculous bid. But the reality of the situation is Pogba is not happy at Manchester United. Um, yeah. Manchester United are not, they're not 100% certain that he'd be there this season. Um, which I think is concerning. I, I, if I was a betting man, I'd say he will be there for this season. For how much longer, yeah. don't know. 
the question I'm going to pose after this to you, Jonathan, is do you blame Pogba for not being happy? You need to think that he's one, one of the finest players in the world after winning the World Cup. Uh, when a player ret- retires, all that's looked back on is how successful he was. And at this, yeah. uh, currently, Manchester United are not winning things. They're not playing good football under Mourinho. Um, I can't blame Pogba. No, because uh, like a lot of things that frustrate me about United last season in particular, there are moments in sort of the running part of the season where he's played in that way, where he's like bossed the final third, breaks the play up, makes his runs, arrives in key areas, scored a few valuable goals and affected quite a few big games. Now, you're not then telling me when he's useless the week after, he's chosen to be that way. For me, it's just the case of he's then told to play a different way. He's told to hold back and just sort of control things from the halfway line. Now, <laughs> I've read a piece yesterday suggesting that Pogba should play centre-back this season. <laughs> oh. I mean, it'd be worth it just to see Sooners have some sort of aneurysm live on air commenting <laughs> on it. But it's just, I feel for the lad to some extent, because don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's perfect and I'm not saying none of this is down to sometimes the daft ways that he chooses to play the game in silly areas. But for the most part, I feel the issue is he's been brought in as a player that's got a very particular skill set that can be used to drive an influence game. Mm. And then he's quite often told to play in a way that basically makes pointless a lot of the skills that he's got. Mm. Because you look at particularly in the final, the way that he was sort of breaking up play on the edge of his own area. And again, the passing range from there that put his teammates away, created moments that won the World Cup for his nation. Mm. It's not seeming to happen at United because, again, if he's in like our defensive third and he breaks that play up, like I say, the difference being if he's then spotting that 40-yard pass, making it and putting the teammate away, where does it France they use that to change the game? We then get that to wide players who take seven touches to do nothing, pass it back into the middle, and then the opposition have got ten behind the ball. You get the feeling sometimes that because his ability is restricted by the players around him and what they can do with the ball when he gets it to them, he can look as incompetent as some of his teammates just because they aren't making anything of what he's giving them the ball to do. Yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. Um, we haven't got many more questions. We'll wrap it up in the next five or so minutes. Um, yeah. Stel has asked, can you see the club spending big in January if they don't get any transfers in before the window shuts? Personally, no. If, say, come January, we are somehow second and, like, seven points behind, then maybe, yeah, that's something where they might just think, well, hang on, for throwing a few quid at this year, we might be able to actually push on with something. But gut instinct would be that it would be a, a no on that one. I actually think if, if we're in that position in, in Christmas or January and we're seven points off, which I don't think will be, but if we are... Yeah, I'll see. I reckon that be more to the glaze and, and Woodward that job done. We we got top, yeah. we got top four. There's no need to invest anymore. Yeah. And and even at that, 
like the difference between winning the league and finishing top four isn't all that different to the Glazers. Oh, exactly, because for them to spend what might be £180 more on signings to compete with Guardiola, what they then get in revenue from that doesn't really match the investment they'd have to make. And and someone listening to this podcast might think, why are these two guys talking about investment and and, and business and this is a football club? The reality of it is we we have to consider what the Glazers are thinking because... They, oh, yeah. they know nothing about football, and and I don't like talking about um, profit and, and this and that. I'm not a business journalist; it doesn't oh, yeah. interest me. But we, when you're writing for Manchester United, you have to take all this into account, and it's so important. The Glazers don't care about reputation; they never have. They would have walked years ago because they know we oh, exactly. hate it. Um, and, and that's just the reality of it. Do I think we'll spend in, in January? No. Um, and the problem too is because we haven't really spent much this summer, we haven't invested like we should have. It's it's going to have a knock-on effect. It means that in in the, in the upcoming transfer windows, we're behind. Um, and at some stage yeah. we're going to have to catch up. And the Glazers will catch up when they see we're slipping back out of top four again. Yeah. Because that's when they started spending big. Um, yeah. And 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 that's the proof in the pudding, really. Um, next yeah. next next question. We have two more. From Craig on Facebook, um, who is to blame for a dismal transfer window? We've kind of answered that already, yeah. but I give um, I give Jack one one last crack at the whip. Um, yeah, I think as you say, just purely Glazers first and foremost, because if they had any interest in spending the money, I'm sure that Woodward would have been on it. Because as you've said, for the summers where he's gone out to make sure top four will be achieved. He's gone out, he's done the deals, he's got better at it year on year since he's got the job. But without the owners actually saying to him, yes, crack on with the list, he just dawdles and focuses on his official partner hobby. Yeah, no, there's no more I can add to that, I totally agree. Uh, And the last question from Damien Young on Facebook is an an intriguing one really, I can't wait to hear your response on this, but what, <laughs> what, what does what does Ed Woodward eat for breakfast? Um, I imagine it's pretty much the souls of young children. To be fair, it's just um, maple syrup and pancakes in yeah. Florida with the Glazers. Oh, exactly. You, you know, I mean, basically, you can tell he's just like a complete yes man. That if the Glazer just gave him a bowl of gravel. He'd thank him for the fibre. Well, we, just... we, we already know, and they, they've done it in the past too, the Glazers um, funded Trump's um, run for election previously, and they've, they've already done it again for the the, the, the second run for election. They've, I mean, just when you think you can't hate them enough, you then yeah. find that out. Yeah, exactly. And and they even host a little kind of a, a party for for Trump. And we're, we're, we're getting into waters here, but... But um, yeah. <laughs> after fucking Infowars was taken down from from iTunes and YouTube and all these other networks, I yeah. just really want to stick it into that fucking Trump campaign that is oh, g- yeah. glittered with, with glazer spunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, if ever anything's been more toxic than Chernobyl, then it's Trump and his campaign. <laughs> Absolutely. Look, but, yeah. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> 
this um, the opening podcast of the season. They're going to be coming yeah. out weekly. We try them every, every Wednesday and record Wednesday, edit, get up Wednesday. So um, there, there isn't much content on the blog today. I'm taking a break before deadline day because all summer, since seems to work, I haven't really had a day off. So I'll record yeah. the podcast instead. I want to thank Jonathan. Jonathan, actually, how can people find you online, um, your Twitter and stuff? And also you might want to mention your your, your stand-up on, on YouTube. Um, I, I would. Now, if I was a proper actual stand-up, I'd remember what the YouTube channel is called. Um, I think it's just Johnny Brook, the sat-down stand-up. So if you want to have a look at that and add to my numbers, I would be proper grateful. Um, on Twitter, um, you can find us at, at Beardmong, because I'm just not imaginative enough to find a better name. And that's me and where I am. I'm just thinking there, Glitter Glazer Spunk might be a good... Um... <laughs> Twitter username, although it could uh, get banned at some stage. That, that would be, yeah, given how rife the bands are, but it <laughs> might be worth the risk. You can follow me on Twitter at O'Donnell Dale and, of course, at Stretty News, the blog, StrettyNews.com. We'll fill you up with content, especially tomorrow. Um, get on there tomorrow. There'll be updates on trans, what's happening, um, clarifying what's bullshit and what's not. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, Philip Morrissey, he'll be tagged in the tweets from from the basically advertising the podcast. So you can follow him there. Um, moreover, that that that's pretty much it. Hopefully, you know, go out and, and get three points and start the season on a high after what was uh, a disappointing preseason tour. To, to be fair, um, we want to see ho- higher spirits. Want to see Mourinho happy? He looks 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 miserable and to try to make the most of of the coming months and. I'm look. I'm hoping by Christmas we're in a strong position. Mourinho's job is safe. Um, I would be lying if I think that's going to be the case. Um, <laughs> so, so that's it. I'd like to thank Ed Woodward for and the Glazers for what's been a fucking shit summer. Um, oh, yeah. um, but look, that's it. Uh, and, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Johnny. And you know, Philip had to leave us. Thanks for coming on, and we'll speak, see you soon. Welcome. for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. 
So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.